Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Well, we, uh, we've been looking over the last number of weeks, doing a bit of a series called Look to the Rock. And uh, we can just put a slide up because some of you are wondering, you know, new among us and you know, what are, what are we talking about? But um, my father passed away uh, during this time of COVID. And um, the interesting thing was that he went to be with the Lord on the 21st of the seventh month, 21, 2021. And 21 is made up of three sevens. Daryl, won't you quickly pass me the, uh, this was his number plate. Talk about being a prophetic person. That was his number plate. Yeah. And he hid it in plain sight for years. Yeah. So on the 21st, which is three sevens, of the seventh month, the year 2021, he went to be with Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and obviously he was a profound influence in my life. I probably wouldn't be here without him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that one right. And um, and so we we're going to be gathering this week with leaders from around this nation and obviously a couple of other, uh, a few international um, leaders. And we're joining together because he started a network of churches called Foundation Ministries International. And, um, and so through that ministry, we've been in, in connection and in relationship with a number of churches around this country and, and throughout the continent. And um, we're, we're actually well over a thousand churches now that are, are linked together. And so we come from somewhere, and why we do some of the things that we do, it comes from somewhere. And, um, and so we wanted to just take a, a while just to stop and to revisit what are some of the, the, the foundational stones of this foundation that we're on? What is it that, that we're actually basing our lives on and our understanding in terms of the scriptures? Okay. So, in Isaiah 51, verse, verse 1, it says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abram, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. If you know some of the backstory to the building of the temple. It was built from stone and they would quarry the stone and it would be hewn. It would be sort of carved and chopped, so to speak, to, to create these massive big blocks. And the work for the temple was done off-site. All the hammering and the chiseling were done at the quarry. And they would bring those stones and set it in place 
to build the temple so that there would be no sweat at the place where God was going to meet with his people. Isn't that interesting? And so Isaiah says, look to the quarry from which you were shaped, hewn. There's, there's echoes, if you like, of the work that has been done in the past that then causes you to be built and established now. Implications for what God is doing. He's been working in our lives in the past in order that we might be established in what's happening now. Looking back is great to take a look to see where you've come from. But that's only a reference point. We don't live in the past. We live in the present and we look forward to the future. It's like that in the church. It's like that in our lives. It's like that in the nation. We need to change some of our language. Instead of talking about the good old days, let's talk about the glorious days that are upon us. Because the best is yet to come. The Lord always leads us onwards. He takes us to something. It's glory to glory. We're going higher in him. We're growing. The kingdom is expanding. And we get to be part of that increase. There's a good reason when you're driving and you look through the windscreen that the windscreen is far bigger than the rearview mirror. The rearview mirror just, you know, referencing what was behind you. But you actually want to have a bigger vision for the future you're moving forward. Come on, South Africa. I'm going to have to preach a little harder. Come on, South Africa. Things are going to shift and change. And we actually want to pray that. We want to declare that. I think we want to vote that as well. We want to see things moving forward. We've had a few years of statements that have been made without the tangible carrying through of those electioneering promises. It's great that we pray. We also need to things, see things actually begin to take tangible root on the ground. So we all have a responsibility to pray and to vote. You must do something. All right. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you and choose someone who's going to take us forward. That's all I'm going to say.
Happy? All right. So, this looking back, looking in a sense to, to some of those foundational stones. One of the things that was so instrumental in being released into the network of churches and obviously this church was an understanding of the importance of the prophetic for today. Some people mistakenly think that prophecy was only something that's in Bible times. But but we don't need prophecy anymore. And actually, when the last of the apostles died, that's when the gift disappeared and doesn't happen anymore. Unfortunately, that kind of theology came out of people's limited experience and they used their own weakness in terms of experience to interpret the scriptures according to their experience. Now we know that the scriptures are there to provoke us to growth. And instead of when we encounter something that's really, really high, we don't explain the miraculous down. We don't explain it away. We don't try and reduce the supernatural living word of God down to our level of experience. Oh, well, you know, that can't happen anymore because, you know, I haven't seen it. Well, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that God doesn't intend for it to be. And so theologically, our stance must be not to explain the scriptures down to my experience, but rather to call my experience upward to match the high level of the scriptures. This is challenging. And the only way we can do this is in and through the power of the Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. All right, so it's only in and through the working of the Spirit inside of us that He enables us to grow into maturity. You see, Jesus came. And he set for us an example that we might live in these things. Mm-hmm. All right. So, he said we'd do a number of things. One of them was we would raise the dead. Some of us have been around where the dead have been raised. But for many of us in the room, we haven't. So we could therefore say, well, you know, Jesus doesn't do that anymore. Except that in Mark's gospel, right at the end, chapter 16, he said, guys, these signs are going to follow those who believe. And if you're a believer, then these things are going to happen. So what are we going to do with the tension? Well, we've already decided that the incorrect approach is to explain it down and away. So the better approach which is more challenging, is to say, Holy Spirit, help us grow in faith and in practice so that we can actually step into the very things that you've called us to. Fantastic. 
that tension between what Jesus did and what we experience. So like everyone who came to Jesus for healing, they were healed. Everyone. That's the standard. Us, some of the people we pray for get healed. But not everyone. Okay, a few honest people in the room. Okay, so instead of explaining it away, putting the blame on something or someone, just say, Lord, help us, teach us, grow us, because we want to get into this place where we're actually doing the works of Jesus. Oh, yes, and greater works you will do. That's an amazing tension right there. And that's to call us upwards and onwards in him. This thing of the prophetic, in the 1970s, it's kind of like, the church was only okay with evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. But the prophetic, mm-mm. And the apostolic, mm-mm. And so, the voice that came and released a teaching and an understanding of fivefold ministry, and that the prophetic is actually part of who we are as the body of Christ. My goodness, headwinds, opposition. So much of what we experience, Daniel was just talking of the prophetic culture this morning. So much of what we experience, and for many of us, we take it for granted, was not around in the early days. So we're grateful that we have, as part of our spiritual inheritance an understanding and an appreciation for the prophetic Mm. okay my dad would often go away on on retreats maybe it was to get away from us five kids plus we had other people living with us in, in our household. Uh, you remember Les and Dot? Dot was like an older sister living in our household for a number of years. Right now we're praying for Les. His days of transitioning to glory are very soon. Very soon. We're sad, <laughs> but for him, hey, presence of the Lord, what he's aiming for. Dad would go on these retreats and, and the Lord would speak to him very clearly in terms of some of the initiatives to take place on the national scene. We've mentioned the, the large conferences that we were involved in. We, we, we've mentioned 
the the magazine that was published, printed, distributed, this tiny little group of about 40 people owning two printing presses and publishing a magazine and distributing to a bunch of nations, a charismatic renewal magazine, when there there wasn't anything else around. A videotape library an audio tape library, a, a book importation, you know, warehousing and all sorts of things. Because many of the bookshops, the Christian bookshops, would not stock anything that was charismatic in nature. We're talking the 1970s. So much of what we accept now is just kind of like, well, it wasn't always this way. So there needed to be some pioneering voices, prophetic voices, calling the people of God to step into the fullness of the Spirit. There were, there were signal moments where the Lord broke into Dad's life. We, we spoke about his conversion at age 16 where the audible voice of the Lord stunned him in his dressing room as he gave his life to the Lord. We spoke about how he was mocked by the supernatural outpouring of the Spirit and a revival in the jungles of Nigeria as a young missionary. These things mocked his life and subsequently through that it's marked us that we have an awareness that Jesus speaks today that the Holy Spirit is alive and busy on planet earth and that we should be a people yielding to the spirit on a daily basis and that we should be those who would be Listening for his voice. It's the tenth of the tenth today. So your verse should be John 10 verse 10. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And that whole passage there, it's speaking about the shepherd and the sheep. And my sheep hear my voice. So if we're the sheep of his pasture, that means we can hear his voice. He is a speaking God. He spoke the world into being. He spoke to the storm, peace, be still. God speaks. We need to be hearing, listening for his voice. If you boil down the definition of the prophetic. It's just hearing what's on the heart and the mind of God and communicating it to others. That's the prophetic. It's not that complicated. Ah, you love people. Jesus loves you. That's the prophetic word right there. All right? 
So just living attentive to what he's saying, what he's doing, and then speaking that, communicating that, modeling that, living that in front of others. Let your life be a living testimony. Let your life be a letter that other people can read. A communication of the love that God has for everyone. We've obviously had quite a lot of time to think and reflect on so many of the ways in which we've been shaped and molded as a people going after the prophetic and pursuing the presence. I remember as a, as a young man carrying my dad's bags overseas, went on a six-week trip, and we visited about 13 different ministries. Some of the names you would know, some of them wouldn't really mean much to you. But they were influential leaders in the charismatic renewal in the 1970s, 90s, 80s, into the 90s. People like Terry Virgo and Colin Urquhart and Tony Morton and uh, Gerald Coates and folks like that. Dick Iverson, uh, Fuchsia Pickett, Glenn Foster, Ern Baxter, different guys across in the UK and the USA. And part of the reason for going on this trip was to recognize that there's a link between the Word and the Spirit. And in essence, our Breakthrough Equipping School of Theology, BEST, has its roots way back in that trip that I did with Dad back in 1981. Sorry, 1991. And out of that, we started the Foundation Ministries Training College. And then, you know, we've had other iterations of this training. Marrying the digging into the Scriptures, into the Word, with a life that's infused with the power of the Spirit. And opening up our hearts and our minds, our understanding to the fact that God has come to revive us and that we need to be living in revival. Yeah? One of the stops on that trip, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay, it's a long story. See, as we were planning for that trip, Dad was reading one of these international Christian magazines and there was an advert for a guy who'd written a book. His name was Mike Berry. He comes from a small town called Annapolis, uh, near Baltimore, uh, not far from Washington. And uh, his church was called um, The Lion's Den. And um, Dad was just reading, and, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and give this man a prophetic word. Dad didn't know anything about the guy, never met him, whatever. So, okay. So we reached out. Those days it was faxes. And um, anyway, so off we went. And 
just spend some time just sharing over a couple of days before then dad gave the, the prophetic word. The prophetic word was something along the lines that the Lord was going to use Mike Berry very specifically to bring about racial reconciliation in the United States and repentance for slavery. That's a big word for a guy in a tiny little church. He's kind of like, what's that got to do with me? He said, I'm just, and Dad just said, I'm just the messenger. That was... 1991. In about 2011, one of my travels, I reconnected with Mike Berry. And he said, Your dad was a troublemaker. <laughs> that word completely upended my life because he could not understand why he would be involved what it had to do with him listen we we didn't know much if anything about the american slave trade and what on earth it would have to do with this chap called mike berry but mike berry he likes you know, history and this and that. And it just so happened that on one day he was driving out and there was this old homestead uh, being turned into a national monument. And there were the records of the various owners of this, this massive house on the plantation there. And he saw there in the records... that a number of generations earlier, I can't remember the exact number of generations, but he's a direct descendant of the owner of that plantation. And would you believe it, that that forefather was the owner of the very first slave that came to America. That's ridiculous. What's more ridiculous is that slave landed in the cove there on the shores of Annapolis. Annapolis was having a bit of a tough time. There's a Chesapeake Bay that runs there and famous for, uh, for their crabs and um, clam chowder and all that kind of stuff. But there was a drought, if you like, of crabs. And the, the ground, the, the, the seabed had just gone to nothing. Anyway, in all of this, Long, long story. I'm just going to pull out a few highlights. But he meets, have you ever heard of the book called Roots? It was written, some of it fictional, but a lot of it was based on, on authentic 
stuff. He finds one of the descendants of the people written about in the book roots who's a believer and they come together and they agree to do a reconciliation prophetic action on the shore of Annapolis where the first slaves landed because they're a descendant of those first slaves and he's a descendant of the first slave owners and because of the way of the harbor and all the rest of it the boat couldn't come in close enough so they had to um, you know walk the, the last however many hundreds of meters whatever to shore but in those days there was there was there was coral and there was sharp stuff and it cut the feet of those first slaves and with the blood and the pain they cursed the land and they cursed the people in that area so a curse needed to be broken and so you get a descendant of this first female slave repenting now as they come together a hurricane eh? there's things that form out to see I'm, I'm getting the right thing yet cyclones in other parts of the world hurricanes in America it's the same thing it just got different names right okay a hurricane is bearing down on them and they have to quickly complete the ceremony they, you know they've got VIPs and camera crews and all sorts of things and the storm is hitting quicker than what they'd anticipated and this day had been planned for a long time out and so they actually say the final prayers as the rain is beginning to fall it turns out this hurricane is given the same name as the name of the first slave And when they checked the satellite pictures, that hurricane formed as a storm off the coast of West Africa, exactly following the route that that ship would have taken and came down the American coast and then up the Chesapeake Bay and right there to Annapolis when it then dissipated. It flooded that local area to about 12 feet above you know, the, the normal high water mark. Everything was flooded as though it was being washed and within weeks the plant life in the ocean sprung up and that season they had a harvest crab season even the earth was restored and there were many other things in terms of you know, artifacts that were buried and, you know, spiritual warfare that needed to be done and curses that would, were, 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 yeah, anyway, stuff that makes your, your mind boggle. The, the reason it needed to be somebody of the spirit is that they would be able to discern things that were buried 
where curses had been released and, and going to the exact place and, and knowing what it was. So he said to me, your, your dad is a prophet to the nations and that God would send him to me to be involved in this whole thing of reconciliation is just phenomenal. That was crazy. Absolutely crazy. And uh, got to preach in the church there that he's now leading in Annapolis and just reconnect after all these years. Just the thing of the prophetic, so powerful, but it intersects with what goes on in the nation and the nations. So there's something connected to us in terms of the prophetic. On Friday, I, I went to just go and connect with one of the business guys in the church, and I just felt to just share a word, share a scripture. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, this is just, you know, this is going to be a nice encouragement, not knowing that this particular guy has been seeking the Lord intensely for the previous two weeks, asking the, God for, the Lord for a very specific answer. And he messages me afterwards, blown away, because it was exactly what the Lord wanted him to do and was the key that opened things up. There is a mantle on the house of the prophetic. It's not just for certain few select individuals. It's for all of us. To make this a, a legal meeting, I'm going to give you a scripture. <laughs> How about we go to 1 Corinthians 14? We're just going to jump ahead a bit, chaps. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 5, and give you a couple of others. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit can you say eagerly desire all right pause corinthians was written at a letter as a letter to a congregation corinthians wasn't written to one person to an individual to a leader corinthians was written to the entire congregation probably some a couple of thousand people part of the church in corinth massive church and these guys were super, super, super supernatural. They were so supernatural that when they, they, they came together, some people would stand up and they would just speak in tongues and they would go on for like hours. Not in, you know, whatever language, Greek or whatever it is that they were speaking there. And they would, would trust that the Holy Spirit would give to people the interpretation directly. So Paul says, guys, you're a little weird. Let me help you bring you some instruction because I want things to be done in an orderly way. Context, an orderly way. Right? So let one person speak, let another person interpret so that people will know they will be built up. That word edify means to build up. Mm-hmm. 
So people will be built up because they will know what is being said. So we need interpretation to come with the tongues. All right. If you all go off at the same time, good and well, you yourself individually will be strengthened in the Lord. Okay, the book of Jude says, build yourself up in your most holy faith as you pray in the Spirit. So we know that praying in, the, in, in tongues, praying in the Spirit, will build you up. So Paul is saying now to Corinth, guys, all good and well for you, you having a good time because you're praying in tongues or you're speaking in tongues, but the other people, especially unbelievers, they're going to come among you, they won't really know what's going on. It's not going to help them. So let's bring some order here. Right? So let one person you know, release a prophetic word in tongues, let another one interpret. And if there's no one to interpret, guys, let's not do that right now because it's not going to build up the whole body because when you gather, it's about the whole body, not just about you as an individual having a spiritual high. Oh my goodness. If only churches pursuing revival would understand that concept. When we come together, it's about coming together and experiencing the Lord together, not just me and Jesus. I'm having my own individual spiritual high. You see, what happens to me impacts and influences you and vice versa. So it's not just about me on my own. It's about us together encountering the Lord. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about the body. It's about the gifts, different kinds of gifts. Then it speaks about the body and into the body God gives the gifts to the body. And then he speaks about communion, what goes on, all this, because it's all about the context of the body coming together. All right? Then, sorry, chapter 11 is communion, then the gifts, then the body, then chapter 13, love. If I, if I have the tongue of men or of angels, supernatural language, but if I haven't got love, it doesn't mean anything. All right. So it's about the operation of the gifts of the Spirit is off the basis of love. That's what Romans, sorry, that's what First Corinthians 13 is all about. It's not a passage just for weddings. It's actually the context is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right, and then he carries on, okay, in chapter 14. Follow the way of love. 1 Corinthians 13, love is follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Can you say eagerly desire? In other words, this is not just, ah, you know, maybe, whatever, it's just an also rant. No, this is something at the core of who you are when you come together. You eagerly desire this. Amen? Especially prophecy. Especially. Wow. He's writing to the whole church and he's saying, hey, all of you, hey, you all, you all, when you come together, have this as an eager anticipation, expectation that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to be operating and prophetic ministry is going to happen. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 
So we've got the, the, the basic three rules, guidelines, boundaries, if you like, for when we prophesy, we don't prophesy doom and gloom. All right? It's to strengthen, to build up, to encourage, to edify. It's good news. We're comforting people. Oh, I saw you in a car accident and you were going to be mangled. It's kind of like, that's not a prophetic word. Stop that. Yeah? We're not, we're not, okay. We'll teach about the prophetic in depth at other opportunities. But the gift of prophecy is different from the office, that full functioning of the prophetic. The gift, we all desire, we all step into it, and we play at the level of encouraging and strengthening and building up. Not directing and not correcting. So we don't direct and say, you know, the Lord said you must divorce your husband and you must marry me. <laughs> you laugh, but it's been, that's been abused in church. Very sad. Sad that people around it even accept it. Yeah. So the gift of prophecy, we build up, we strengthen. Verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies now builds up the church. Why? Because the church can understand. I would like every one of you. Can you say, I would like every one of you. Who does that include? I would like everyone of you to speak in tongues. Who does that leave out? Yeah. Now listen, when I was a kid growing up, they thought we were weird because we spoke in tongues. Yeah? All sorts of crazy rumors went around the town about these people who turn off the lights when they come into church buildings and they crawl around under the chairs with brown paper bags trying to catch the Holy Spirit. Mm, that's what they said of us. Yeah. Yeah. See, there's a reason why my dad had to resign from being part of a denominational church back in those days. Because they said tongues is of the devil. Sometimes you have to leave certain things behind in order that you might embrace the fullness of the Spirit. You cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. Sometimes some of your family members are going to think, mm -mm, what church are you going to? What sect is that? Mm, a few of us have... Okay. I would like every one of you, verse 5, to speak in tongues 
but I would rather have you prophesy. Now he's taking it up a notch. He's not saying, he's not contradicting himself. He's not saying, listen, I'd rather you prophesy, so don't speak in tongues. He said, listen, I want everyone to speak in tongues. Oh, and even more than that, I would even rather that you prophesied. Let's take it up a notch. Why? Because he's just explained. If you're just speaking in tongues, you speaking to the Lord, you're uttering mysteries in your spirit, it's you and God, but you're not helping to build up and strengthen the people around you. When you actually release what the Lord is saying, that's when they get strengthened and encouraged. Verse 12, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Try to excel. What what does that mean? It means you're working at it. If you excel in something, is it that, you know, I just started and day one, boom, you know, I was like an Olympic champion. Or did you have to grow and build yourself up so that you might excel in something. So it is with the gifts. We start maybe like a little toddler. We fall down, we fall over, we make mistakes. Sometimes we even poop in our diaper. We don't always get it right all the time. But you don't say to a kid, listen, you fell over, obviously you don't have the gift of walking. You say, no, well done. Come on, you can do it again. Okay, let's try again. Right? So there's safe places where we can grow in the things of the Spirit. In our community connect groups, that's where we grow safe place in the things of the Spirit. We don't give you a microphone on a Sunday morning and you've never given a prophetic word in your life and we say, blast it out to the whole universe. That's not safe. Not safe for us. It's not safe for you. All right? So we grow in these things. Verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, when you come together, each of you, how many? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done. Verse 39. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Be eager and don't forbid it. Ah, that's pretty clear, black and white. Holy Spirit is moving powerfully in the earth today. And he's moving powerfully in and through his sons and daughters. He's a speaking God. He always has been and he always will be. And he communicates. And he communicates to us and then also through us that others might hear the message of love and strengthening and encouragement. And that's the flow of the prophetic. And that is part of the treasure In this house. That's why we've been shaped. Hewn. Cut. Molded. To be a little different. From maybe the way others are cut. 
It's not that we are worried, concerned about them in any way. It's just recognizing, okay, this is what God has done with us. So let's treasure it. Let's hold on to it. Let's be good stewards of it. So that we are not the next generation that takes it for granted, doesn't value it, and therefore just lets it slide away. The good news is, I'm not going to let you. Why? Because I too paid a price. Maybe not the same as my parents' generation, but I too paid a price. And I am not willing to give up the treasure because of some people feeling it's a little inconvenient. I am way past inconvenience. May we, as a revival company of believers, go way past convenience. Let's be stirred with such fire and passion and eagerness. Eagerly desire. Excel in these things. Grow in these things that we might better reflect his heart, his mind for us, for this world. Joyberg. Joyberg is longing to hear the word of the Lord. Too long they've been driving down the highway there and somebody cuts in front and says, Go to hell! No, we don't want them to go to hell. Hey, go to heaven! You can air high five them. Release words of life and hope. Declare God has got good plans and purposes for them. The fact that they cut you off in traffic was just they didn't know any better yet. Maybe they're still cruising around in darkness, which is why they didn't see you. But you're a child of light. Peace. They put a little bait in front of you to get upset and you don't take the bait. You respond in the opposite spirit. Peace. I can see you don't know any better. It's alright, I forgive you. How many times? 77 times 7. And tomorrow? Start from zero again. Why? Because the spirit is moving powerfully inside of us. We demonstrating. We are Christ followers. The reason they were first called Christians. Little Christs. Is because they were walking in the same way that Christ walked. And speaking The same things that Christ spoke. Reflecting who he is in the world today. Come on, living letter. Prophesy to your neighbor. How? 
just being full of love, full of light, full of mercy, full of kindness. And if he gives you something to say, in easy, everyday language, not everybody's read, read the King James. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't get a funny look on your face like you've just been sucking on a lemon. <laughs> Smile. Be full of love. No crazy voices or tones or anything like that. Just be normal. Listen, we weird and peculiar people anyway. Don't make it worse. <laughs> Just love. All right. I'd like to say flate, flate, mysterious eight, but that's only half the message. We'll come back again. Folks, this is important. This is so, so important. Because what happens is that you take things for granted that you don't pay attention. You don't guard it and protect it. It becomes common. The sacred things become common. And we lose value and appreciation. I think part of this looking back to the rock from which we were cut is to recognize we need to ensure we maintain value. Others paid an enormous price. Let's, let's keep the value. You know, I didn't even ask you for extra time. I'm just prophetic like that. I knew you would give me. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for the extra time this morning. Thank you. We just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, we're yours. Thank you that you are distributing gifts to your children. The gifts of the Spirit. Thank you that you've given us the instruction to eagerly desire that we can actually yearn for these things, call on your name, ask for a gift. How much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts? He was speaking about the outpouring of the Spirit. So Lord, we thank you for good gifts. We thank you for the gift of tongues. We thank you for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for an infilling, for a renewing. Let your fire rest upon us. Just like on the day of Pentecost, the fiery presence of God which burns up all of the dross and all of the mess and ignites a fresh passion and a boldness. Let your fire come upon us. Holy Spirit, cause us 
to be so consumed by you, your purposes, and what you are doing in the city and in the nation, that we are 100% yielded to your voice, what you're asking us to do. Lord, we actually want to become radical, fanatical, zealous, devoted to you and your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. A fresh grace, a fresh anointing for the prophetic be released upon you, in you, through you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Lord, as we go from this place, (laughs) may we be a shining light to our neighbors and our work colleagues that this beautiful city that you've called us to would reflect, not because there's so much gold around, but there's so much glory around. Hallelujah. So I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.